Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Do I sound all right? Yeah, that sounds okay. Oh, my. Yeah, well, this one's going to need a lot of editing. I know. Trust me. I have a fun conversation for you guys today with a good friend of mine, Scott Nordstrom, who is a deacon at Idaho Church here in the Tampa area. Known him for many, many years, and we had a great conversation just about what church membership looks like, and even talked about some of the challenges and what it looks like to be a church member during the COVID-19 pandemic. So I hope you enjoy. And Scott actually has a blog that he puts out daily, and is going to start doing some daily devos himself as well through email. Uh, I will put the link to those in the show notes. But hang around. I hope you get a lot out of it. I had a ton of fun and learned a lot uh, just being able to reflect on this topic with him. And uh, I hope you do too. What the fruitcakes? Yeah. Yeah. Being a church member is hard, bro. It's, uh, It's tough. Well, I mean, in all honesty, and like I was, you know, I think it does transition perfectly. Like you can you can have all the frustrations that you want within a church and you can be mad at the way they do this or the way they do that. But at the end of the day, like, do I believe that the church I go to like wants to see people come to the Lord? Yes. Do I believe that the church that I'm serving in uh, wants to see people grow in their relationship and be discipled? Yes. Like those two things, like there's zero doubt in my mind that my church uh, loves God and loves people. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think there's going to be ins and outs where you can get frustrated. Um, and if you focus on those things, then that's where it gets unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest things too. Um, you know, I think as far as, you know, being a deacon or being really involved in your church is if, if you see things that you're frustrated with, but you're not involved in your church, you're not serving, you're not going to the meetings, then like you have no place to complain because you're not doing anything to help the problem. You're just, you know, sitting back there and critiquing everybody. Which kind of leads to a question too is, and I want to get to at the end, or we can talk about it now too. And we can just, I can just put it at the end, but um, (laughs) like, especially with the climate that we're in right now, I think being a church member has been the hardest it's probably ever been, at least in modern Western church, you know, like in a country where there's not persecution, where people aren't prohibiting you to go to church every Sunday, we have the freedom to, Mm -hmm. this has been probably, Mm -hmm. and I would say the biggest hurdle that the church has faced and actually having people gather in America. Uh, I don't know if there's been another time when people just haven't been able to gather other than maybe the civil war or something, you know, but I mean, yeah, well, I almost think like, you know, are you like speaking directly to like right right now in the pandemic where like we can't gather? Yeah, or like it's hard, like for for Nellie and I as, um, you know, parents of a small child, even on Sunday mornings, it's hard for us to because or to catch like the live service because Mm -hmm. Levi's nap is right at that time and we're trying to figure things out Mm -hmm. and if he's fussing or whatever it may be, we get delayed and end up having to watch it later or just not watch it at all. And you know, I teach a mm-hmm. freshman guy's high school class and I'll reach out to them as much as I can, but it's, it's, they don't always respond over text. You know, I'll try to call them whatever it is, 
but yeah. it just it's hard to even serve in that regard and i think you know i think the pandemic has changed what church membership looks like in the season i, I know that it's you know a couple of years we're gonna look back and be like wow it was just yeah. time but yeah, I mean, I think it definitely is like just a season as far as that goes. But I think it's showing people's uh, true colors almost because it's not like, you know, we were told we can't worship God anymore. Yeah. It's not like we were told we can't, you know, call people anymore. Yeah. Um, we, were, we weren't told we can't preach the gospel and put it on YouTube anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where like you've seen like pivots mm-hmm. and you can either you know, sulk and complain about what you can't do, or you can realize what you can do and go hard in those things. Um, and even for me, like, as far as, you know, membership or serving goes, it's, you know, I've been, I've been serving in the college ministry now for a year and, you know, four of those months or three of those months have been in a pandemic. And I think I've gone harder Mm -hmm during the pandemic as far as you know serving and calling people and being involved in, in leadership meetings and things like that than i ever yeah. was and so yeah i think it's all about perspective yeah um, but it's really tough too because you have people who are saying uh you know you have one crowd that says oh the government you know they can't tell us what to do it's our right to gather and you know blah 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 but it's like all right well nobody's telling you you can't serve god anymore we're just telling you you know don't do this for a certain time yeah. but it's all about like how how are you going to come back are you going to come back stronger and more in love with god or are you going to come back just bitter and angry about everything you weren't able to do yeah exactly um but i mean it's definitely a struggle i mean i think that same mentality plays out in church membership no matter the season of life you're in too not just this pandemic yeah i know for myself um I started, I got into the church when I was a freshman and once I got in and once I got saved, mm-hmm. I, I looking high school or high school, college. looking back, I was pretty involved okay. from the get go. I joined uh, FCA fellowship of Christian athletes in high school. I started playing in the band and on our Wednesday night worship mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, I got pretty involved pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I think just as a result of being in high school and having a ton of free time, I did what I could college. All I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. have a job. I just, all I did was go to school and, you know, that was not much of my time of right. day, you know, so I had tons of free time to give to it. And then even mm-hmm. I've had a big shift personally since I got married. And then now I used to work at the church, but now I don't. I'm working a full-time job. I have a kid. Like now church membership mm-hmm. looks completely different now in this season as well, you know? And so I think mm-hmm. this, the same, what's the same throughout all those seasons though, is the intent to not just be a consumer of the church, but be a contributor. And that just looks different into each mm-hmm. life stage but yeah. um i mean when you first joined the church did you get involved right away or did it take like what was your kind of view on being a member of the church so yeah i really started getting like involved in going to church regularly uh when i was a freshman in college um so i had kind of grown up in the church and and all of that but i had never really understood like what church membership was uh, on a deeper level, like as a kid and in high school and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't until college where I really uh, started to even learn what it meant to be uh, a member of a church. And so it was only about, I would say, barely a year from uh, going to church and just kind of consuming to uh, teaching in the, in the high school ministry uh, and being more and more involved. 
Um, and I did that for, for nine years before I went, made the jump to college yeah. ministry. But I think the biggest thing from like consumer to contributor, it was more for me, it was more, you know, seeing what God had done in my life and kind of wanting to, to see God work in others' lives in the same way and kind of allowing God to speak through me to yeah. others. Um, and it was, I think that's how I got into the serving mentality was, uh, was just that. Yeah. I mean, you were on staff at the church for a while too. What was it? Three years, I think on staff Mm -hmm. in in high school ministry. Yeah. And yeah, I was on staff for three years as a result of that. I mean, I think when you're on staff, you're getting paid, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're, it's an internship and it's not like it's, it's not like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not making 80 grand a year, you know, in a way you, you still are serving with a lot of your time and energy, you know, it just looks a little bit different because you're able to do that with all you have, you know, but when you stopped being on staff at church and you went into a full-time job, Mm -hmm. how did that change Mm -hmm. the way that you contributed? I mean, did it like, what kind of impact did that have on it? So my, I think my, um, my story was kind of different than, than a lot of other people's, I think, because, uh, being on staff, like I kind of wanted, uh, more out of, of being on staff, I think, than I was given the opportunities to have. Um, and like, I, I got to a really bitter place of, of my role in the church and just kind of, you know, seeing behind the curtain and, uh, just like, I think a lot of people can get bitter at certain things. And I got really bitter, uh, at the church and just kind of angry with things, um and all of that and so one of my one of my good friends that I was on staff with he asked me the question he said does you being on staff at church at this church does that hinder your relationship with God and it was like an immediate yes this hinders my relationship with God um and so it was he asked me that question in October and then my last day uh serving on the staff was in December uh, and then I got a full-time job at a Fortune 500 company uh, three months later. And the the difference between being on staff and serving and doing ministry versus like having a full-time job and doing ministry because you want to and because you feel like that's what God is calling you to do. Uh, I was in such a better place mentally and spiritually knowing that this isn't just a paycheck. This isn't yeah. just, you know, bureaucracy and uh, me trying to move up the the ladder within yeah. a, within a church or something silly like that. This is God calling me to do ministry, uh, and so I'm able to do it uh, out of out of the joy of my heart, not out yeah. of uh, a need for money. Yeah, I, which is a weird thing to even think about. Yeah, I mean, I have a very relatable experience in that when I got to UF, and that's really when I think I started diving into like my freshman year of college. I started diving into what leadership in the church looks like. Not only was the faith becoming my own, I was the one choosing to go to church. I was the one choosing to get involved, but I was around mm-hmm. a bunch of other people that were modeling it very well. Uh, I, I was mm-hmm. at a church and the church I was at and at UF called GCL, its model of growing the church was um, through evangelism. You would go out and you would go out on campus. You would meet somebody. You would meet up mm-hmm. with them for like five or six weeks in a discipleship relationship then you would invite them to a smaller group of like four or five and then to your home group and then to large service church. And so mm-hmm. the whole focus was on reaching the lost and slowly discipling them, making disciples, bringing them into the gathering. Right. This, I mean, the whole mentality was just going out. And then 
Mm-hmm. There was no way for me to hide behind a facade of just consuming in that church because you you were the oddball. Right. And I think that helped me a ton, just kind of propelling that that uh, mentality of not just being a consumer, but a contributor. And then when, right. and the more I dive into the scripture, the more that I, the gospel became just real to me, the more I, I could not just sit, you know, and I began mm-hmm. learning more about the church and realizing that, you know, the church is not, the church doesn't just happen. You know, it happens because tons of people are coming together to, you know, to make it happen. It's tons of people coming together, um, worshiping the Lord, but also serving together. I mean, it's a family. It's just, it, it dives so deep and so intricate. And it's not just this service that's put on every single week. And I think my eyes were really open to that then. But then when I got on staff, I joined. I, and I, when I first came on staff, it was that intent to just, okay, I'm just going to dive in and give it my all. But then after a while, I think mm-hmm. just naturally, because you are getting paid and it is technically a job, you do lose mm-hmm. some of that if you're, if you're not careful, you know? And, uh, yeah. I definitely got to a place and it came in waves and in seasons, you know? And I think yeah. I was there, I think about two years or so, but, um, and there was times mm-hmm. that were just awful that it was just, it was a job, you know, I had to force myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And there was times I was on top of the world and I was like, man, I just want to do this for the rest of my life. This is amazing. Like, don't pay me, take my, take my money away, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, and I just think it, it went in waves and it's kind of returned a little bit since I'd left just because you're not getting paid and it truly is your free time of just serving, you know, but yeah. I think, I mean, I think of like Philippians chapter two, let me pull it up because I think this is the one verse. Philippians is probably my favorite book of the Bible and Philippians two mm-hmm. is just amazing. Let me, let me pull it up. Because I think as you read the new Testament, and you begin to learn more about Jesus' character, you you begin to see like his whole life was built around serving. You know, Jesus didn't come mm-hmm. to earth just to yeah. con- just to consume and be like, all right, what's the food like down yeah. here? You know, what's what's the party scene? You know, <laughs> yeah, where's the pot? Yeah, at? exactly. Um, he came down and like, and Paul talks about it in in Philippians two. He says, "Do nothing from selfish uh, ambition or conceit, but consider." each other in humility as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but to others, um, which is all like mm-hmm. just contributor language there. And he says, mm-hmm. adopting the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, emptied himself by mm-hmm. assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humility, coming as a man, becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross and so on and so on of talking like, like even Jesus didn't do that. And the more you see his character of service, like I think the more it compels us to, to follow suit, you know? I think I think one thing too with with service and uh, serving in a church and being a contributor and things of that nature, it's so others focused. You can't focus on yourself, uh, and I think that's one of the biggest issues with with church and church attendance and and things of that nature. It's so much focused on I'm going to go to this service and what can I get out of this? Was this service? uh you know good to me you you know one of the most popular questions people ask as they're walking out of a service is like oh like what spoke to you or oh like how did that service impact you and you know that's not what church is meant to be and you know 
you shouldn't you shouldn't be sitting at the lunch table talking about how like oh well my pastor said this and i disagree with that and you know on and on and on it's like you're missing the point of church when you start doing that yeah i agree and i think it's easy to get into that mentality i I, I mean there's there's a there's a lot of contributing factors and i don't want to I feel like we could sit here, you know, for hours kind of pointing fingers at what may be causing that, you know, but I think it's just a lot of us need to keep that mentality of check of just, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what are we going to church, you know, and what are we trying to get out of it? You know, are we, are we going to, I mean, there is an aspect of going to church to worship the Lord and to hear from the Lord through the pastor, you know, like there is a part of Mm -hmm. that that, that's necessary, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, you should walk into the church each week thinking, okay, what is something like that the Lord may be trying to t- tell me today by coming in right. here? But if that's our only mentality and if it only stops, if it's only like I'm only coming to a church on Sunday morning to get something for me, I think that's mm-hmm. where the danger lies. And, and even when you come to church, it's not every single time. And it, I think this is what frustrates some people too, is like some people stop going to church because they feel like they're not getting much out of it. And there's right. a couple of reasons for that. One I would say, okay, well, are you serving and contributing? Like, what's your view of church as well? Mm-hmm. You know, right. right but also, right. you know, when you come to church with the anticipation of uh, what am I going to get out of it? Like, there's going to be weeks where you may not get anything out of the sermon. You know, it's not, yeah. not every time you sit down, you're going to be eating a big, you know, five course meal. Right. Sometimes you're just eating cereal for dinner, you know, and that's enough, <laughs> you know? And I think when you start to come with that mentality of every single time I come to church, I need to be blown I away. And it can lead to a lot of disappointment. I think I think one of the and this can transition into into being a deacon, you know, really quickly, I think, but one of the biggest kind of eye-opening experiences for me was becoming a deacon and learning uh what a deacon does and how they serve the church and how they lead the church just through their more through their example than anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just so important as, as you know, as deacons in churches are meant to be looked at as leaders. And, I mean, how would you define uh, examples? Sorry to cut you off before you go deep into it. I'm like, what would you, for someone that does not know, how would you define a deacon? Like what is a deacon? What's their role? So the the biggest role a deacon plays in my my eyes and and you know you can look in scripture and you know i think it's second timothy where it tells you the exact role of what a deacon is and uh you know things of that nature but i think the biggest role of the deacon is praying for the church praying for the pastors and supporting the pastors and what they're doing uh and also just being almost like being a confidant to the pastors in a sense of supporting what their mission is and supporting what the mission of the church as a whole is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one of the biggest things you can get wrapped up in as far as being a deacon is it can just become uh, kind of a clubhouse for you to just kind of hang out and think you look cool or whatever it is because you're a deacon. Do you pay dues or Um, no? No, no dues. (laughs) I got to pay dues to my church, though. Yeah. Some people call it a tithe. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, I just looked at 1 Timothy 3. Deacons, likewise, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 8. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine. Scott? Uh, you guys don't know that, but for those of you at home, Scott has five bottles of wine right now behind him. Not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And so forth. Yeah, they must be also tested first, proved blameless. So, I mean, there's pretty high standards 
and uh, verse eight yeah. through ten of deacons. And so well, I, I think there's high standards for a deacon and also high standards for teachers. Yeah. Uh, in general, and just and if you're in any uh, role in a church where people look to you as how they should conduct their lives, I think there's going to be higher standards. Yeah. And some people even kind of criticize that um, and think, oh, well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to do this or I shouldn't have to do that or whatever it may be. But when you are in a leadership role, it you do have the responsibility of making the church look good yeah. and making followers of Christ look like followers of Christ. Yeah. You know, if somebody wants to know what a Christian looks like, you should be able to point to anybody who's a leader within a church and say, this is what a Christian yeah. should look like. What I was going to say was there was once a, a woman I used to work with at a dentist office and she asked me, for example, I don't know how it came up, but I, I began talking about how, like, my pastor doesn't drink, you know, and mm-hmm. or like why I don't drink and or why mm-hmm. I like, you know, they're all cussing in the office. And I'm like, and I don't, you know, and they, they know that about me, you know, and right. And they asked me one day why, you know, I feel like that's so strict. Like, why would you do that? And I began to explain, mm-hmm. like, well, for example, a lot of what Jesus is teaching is to love people, love your enemy, to respect others, to um, that people would know you by your love, you know, that you would be mm-hmm. separate from the world. You know, if I'm trying to teach these things from the Bible, yet I myself are dabbling in all this stuff, like nobody's going to want to listen to me, you know? For example, though, if like, you know, after the Holocaust, Hitler comes out, it's like, you know what? We should just love everybody. Who the heck is going to listen to him? You know, because they know his actions, they know his character. And that's an extreme example. But in the same way, you know, if we're being hypocrites with the way we walk and talk, I think, the Bible does call deacons and teachers, pastors, overseers, and so forth to live to that higher standard, but it's all for a reason. You know, it's not for, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a member of this church and you're serving and you really want to have the best witness to somebody, I think there's sacrifices that you're willing to make, you know, um, Mm -hmm. people can agree on, people can disagree. And there's some areas where, you know, like alcohol, for example, in here, some people are okay with drinking. Some people are not okay with drinking, but the point Mm -hmm. being here to hold yourself above, um, as holy as set apart, separate from the world right. that you look different. We read in, you and I are part of a Bible study and, and today we read in first Peter where it talks about, you know, the Gentile do not basically participate in your, your old ways of, you know, just doing mm. whatever the heck you want, but you already right. had enough time to do that, but live different so that when people look at you, you won't be put to shame, you know? And I think that kind of yeah. plays into that too. Yeah. And I think that just taking it full circle back to, you know, what we said a couple of minutes ago, when you look at church membership and you look at being a leader, you need to be focused on others and not focused on maybe necessarily what's best for you, but what is best for my fellow Christians? Like what is best for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah. What is best for furthering the kingdom of God? Not what is what is going to make me the happiest in the moment. Yeah. Or even um, what's going to make me think that's... high up in leadership. I think there's, I mean, there's idolatry that can come mm. with that too, but. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the the biggest thing for me when I look at church membership uh, and being involved in uh, contributing and and things of of that nature is, one, it's it's not about me. It's not about uh, me me getting my needs met. Uh, It's about about me being part of something bigger than myself. Uh, And I I think one of the biggest downfalls of of church in America 
is it's so focused on if I don't like this or if I don't like that about the way my church does something, then I'm going to go find a church that does things the way I yeah. like. And if I can't find a church the way that does things the way I like, then I'm going to go plant a yeah. church. I, I just, I disagree with that yeah. uh, mindset fundamentally yeah. uh, because, you know, I, I have found there's so many different things that I disagree with or that I might do differently than the way my church does them. But it's so much better to try to work within that community and be accountable to each other and lift each other up mm-hmm. instead of just thinking your way is better than everybody else's. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. where you can get into and it's so much. I mean, it's so much easier to run from the problems than, you yeah. know, I don't think Christ is telling us to just run away, but it, he's telling us to dive in and, and be the, be the change we want to see. You know, if you read the new Testament, Paul's writing these letters to churches and in the early days of Christianity, I mean, obviously a lot of people compare like the church of today looks like the church of back then. Like exactly. A lot of things have changed, you know? Um, yeah. Right. But, but if you look back, I mean, these people in these communities probably did not have eight different churches of different denominations and things <laughs> they can pick and choose from. Yeah. You know, they're not saying I don't right. like that traditional service. So I'm going to go to the contemporary <laughs> guy down the street in Ephesus here. You know, like they don't have that kind of choice. And when their problems arose and half the, I mean, most of the letters that Paul writes are addressing problems in the church. There are going to be problems Mm. in the church. There are going to be financial things that you don't agree with. There's going to be issues that come up that aren't handled correctly. But if everybody, Mm -hmm. like the point of it's not just to leave, you know, like Christ has gathered his church, not and what the enemy tries to do is to cause disunity and to cause us to, flee from those things instead of becoming even more unified by that. In Philippians chapter mm. two, it talked about like earlier in that verse, like if there's any consolation in love, if there's any, I think unity of the spirit, you know, like, like God is calling us to unity in our churches. And the response is not mm. just to run when it gets tough, but to dive in deeper. Um, I mean, when you're in a marriage, Scott, how long have you been married now? Seven, Seven years. years almost. Um, have you and Whitney ever had a fight? Uh, yeah. once or twice. So in your one or two fights, see, it's easy to, uh, it's easy to want to, in those fights to want to retreat or to not want to handle it or not want to address it. But in a marriage, what mm-hmm. happens when two people are fighting is that when you walk through that fire together and you resolve it, you always, I mean, not always, sometimes it takes a lot of time, but most of the time you come out stronger, yeah, yeah. you come out more unified. You know, mm-hmm. if you're fighting about something mm-hmm. you can't, um, you know, the answer is not just to run away. It's to hash it out, you know, so that you can come to a For place sure. of healing yeah. and, and move forward, you know, and I think the same thing goes That's with the church. A good word. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, like the church is the bride of Christ. And it's so, it's almost disheartening when you see so many people just mad at the way a certain church does something or anything along those lines when it's so much healthier when you are, uh, willing to flesh things out and fight it yeah. out and get better and get to the other side. Thank you.
Um, so to kind of wrap things up and come full circle here, what um, for somebody that's a church member today in this COVID-19 pandemic, I mean, what are some things that you would say just kind of to encourage them into during a time that's pretty un? Um, yeah, for for this specific time, uh, a, a lot of churches right now, I think, are starting to kind of try to figure out when to to open up their doors again and start allowing uh, people to gather in their sanctuaries and things of that nature. I th- I think I'm as far as COVID-19 or coronavirus or whatever you want to call it, I'm way up more on the cautious side. Uh, I just, I don't think there's any reason to start gathering in large crowds before, uh, before it's really safe and before it's proven to be shown safe that we can do that. Uh, and I think that just goes back to, to thinking about other people. Think about the people who are vulnerable within your community. Think about, uh, the people who are less fortunate or less healthy or whatever it may be, and think about what's best for them. Don't just think, oh, I want to I wanna regather because I miss seeing my homies on Sunday mornings, and that's what I want to mm-hmm. do. I think that's such a, a wrong mentality to, to have. Uh, and I think, too, realize that things can pivot and things can change, and the way you do church might not look the same uh, that way that you're doing it you know, six months ago, and it's probably not going to look the same six months from now. So just being, being super flexible and being willing to adapt to the, the situation, I think is so yeah. key. Um, and, and support, support your pastors, support your leaders, because they're under so much stress right now. I would not want to be making the decisions that these pastors are having to make. Like I would not want to be in their shoes. So pray for your pastors, pray for your leaders fervently and, you know, and be there for them to support them and not criticize yeah. them, uh, especially now more than yeah. ever. That's a good word. 